Welcome to the Vineyard Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on this podcast or other resources, go to vineyardlive.us. To learn more about us, go to thevineyardchurch.us. of 2010 and my husband Ben and I found ourselves up at the hospital. It had been many, 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 many long months of pregnancy and I thought it was never going to end. But sure enough, it was happening. We were in labor. And so we were up at the hospital and after 52 amazing hours of labor in an emergency C-section, woohoo, I held my firstborn in my arms, my little Cohen. It was amazing. We'd been up the hospital, uh, you know, for many days, kind of recovering and stuff. And I remember the nurses saying, okay, why don't you start packing up your stuff? And, you know, they bring in all that paperwork, like you sign your life away. You sign all the things. And I remember the nurse looking at us and saying, okay, we'll see you later. And I remember, like, feeling sheer panic in that moment, like, Wait, what? Like, you're just going to let me walk out of here with this baby? Like, we didn't read any of the books. We have no idea how to do this. Like, this is a bad idea. We came in as husband and wife, but in a moment, we were stepping into brand new roles. We had become mother and father. We've been in this awesome series called Family of the Future, and we've been learning what it means to be God's family on the earth. And the family of the future is actually the picture of God's perfect family. And what that means is that because of Jesus, we get to release that perfect family, that heavenly aspect here on earth right now. But what is it that the family of the future looks like? That's actually what we've been unpacking every single week. And so we started hearing from Hap and Die on how families of the future are actually founded on unity that it's in partnership and mutual submission that we begin to, to love one another really, really well. And then Putty came through and he said, hey, the mission of the family of the future is that we would live out the Great Commission. We're gonna baptize the nations in the name of the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit. And then Daniel last week shared on the importance of sonship, how we are sons who reveal the Father to the world. And really, if you missed that message on sonship, you need to go back and listen, because it's pretty much the foundation that we're gonna be building on today. If I could wrap up everything that we've been talking about the last few weeks with families of the future, it would be this. Families of the future receive love to be love. We are loved to be love. And this, this receiving love piece is so important, that sonship, because we can't reflect something we don't know. Right? So we have to understand the love of God so that we can become the love of God. Today we're going to look at in more detail what it means to become love and what, what it looks like to become that love to the world. We call receiving love, we call that sonship, we call being love fathering. And we're going to unpack what it means to father because fathering is actually how we live out the Great Commission. So let's pray and invite Holy Spirit to be our teacher. Father, we love you. It's just a privilege to be here in your house with your, your kids, and we just welcome you to show us what it means to really father. You do it so well. Thanks for being our teacher today. We love you. Amen. Well, when we say yes to following Jesus, it means that we say yes to expanding the kingdom family because families of the future are growing families. And if we are going to be a growing family, we first understand that we're spiritual sons. 
But spiritual sons become spiritual fathers. And just to make sure we're all on the same page when we talk about mothering and fathering today, we're not talking about men and women, right? It's not men who father and women who mother. It's actually just like how we're all the bride of Christ, we're all sons of God. Every disciple is called to mother and every disciple is called to father because what's happening is we're actually bringing forth an aspect of God's character that the world needs. We're revealing the father as we father and as we mother. And we're gonna talk in detail about what that looks like. But just know that, that fathering and mothering doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. It doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter if you have natural kids. It doesn't matter your age, place, station in life. None of that. What matters is that you're stepping into a spiritual assignment that the Lord has given you. So if you consider yourself a spiritual son, if you know God as your father, we have a big announcement for you. You're going to be a dad. Yeah. Who's excited? You, I can tell. You're really awake. Yes. You're going to be a dad. This is a great announcement. Some of you do not feel like that is a great announcement. <laughs> How does it make you feel when you hear that? Surprised? Maybe a little uncertain? A little afraid? Welcome to parenting, right? The things that we feel in the natural are the same that we feel in the spiritual, right? We feel unprepared. We feel like we don't have the money for that. Like we don't have the time, the resources. How am I going to become a spiritual father? Just know you're in good company, right? We all kind of feel that way. But the good news is, if we're called to step out as fathers, we already understand we're sons. And that means we have the best father who's gonna show us how to do it really well. So again, we receive love, sonship, to be love, fathers. And you know what? We're gonna be the fathers that our communities need. That's the call on this house, that we would become the fathers that our cities need. You know, we have this epidemic of fatherlessness in our communities, and it's bad. Right, Daniel shared some of the stats last week. We've got one in three families, like households, without a father. And you can see the effects of fatherlessness. Poverty, neglect, substance abuse, prison. Those are all the products of fathers not being present. Here's the problem. We can see the effects of fatherlessness, but we don't know how to fix it. Because the truth is, we don't know what it is that fathers do. We don't know what they do. I looked up uh, on dictionary.com, I was like, well, let's just figure this out. So I went and I, I searched mothering. I was like, well, what is mothering? We're called to be mothers. So you, you can look at the definition here, right? It's the activity of bringing up a child. That's the noun. The adjective is relating to the characteristic of a mother, especially in being caring, protective, and kind. And we would all read that and go, yeah, that makes sense, right? That's mothering. The essence of mothering is what? Nurture. Right, mothers nurture, and we're totally generalizing, but this is like the feel, right? Mothers are nurturing. So I was like, well, what is it that fathers do? We look up the noun, the activity of bringing up a child. The adjective, relating to the activity of bringing up a child. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> Dictionary.com cannot even define what it is that fathering is supposed to look like. How are we supposed to know how to live this out? We wonder why we're feeling fatherless. We don't know how to, how to make that happen. We don't even know what we're supposed to do. And so the problem is, because we don't know how to become fathers, we just lean into what we know, right? We, we see the, the effects of fatherlessness. We see, you know, hunger, poverty, neglect, abuse, all this stuff. And because we don't know how to father, we just start mothering harder. Well, it, well, let's just nurture more. Let's just provide more food. Let's just give them more hugs. And, and the tension is mothering is so important, right? Mothering matters. You know this. Communities crumble without mothers. We need mothering. But the answer to fatherlessness is not to mother more. 
It's to become fathers. We can't answer fathering problems with mothering. It doesn't work that way. But society is confused. And we think if only we mothered more, we would see the effects that we need. It's mothers and fathers together who reveal the full picture of who God is. Right? It's both and. It's that partnership that happened I talked about. Mothers bring something important to the community. And what we see that they bring is nurture. Mothers reflect an aspect of God's character that only, only mothering can do. It's the nurturing side of God. So what is it that fathers bring to a community? What aspect of fathers, of, of God, just do fathers represent to the world? Discipline. Yeah, you're excited about that. Yee, D- discipline. That word like evokes an emotional response. Nobody likes the word discipline, right? Discipline. What, it, it, might, it might have been corrupt in your life. Maybe discipline means, um, you know, like, don't tell me what to do. You know, mind your own business. Don't discipline me. Don't punish me. But do you know that discipline is a kingdom word? And that we need it to be redeemed. Because the, the enemy has used it for, for, for bad and it makes us feel bad. That's not what God had in mind. The word discipline can actually be translated lots of different ways throughout scripture. Things like training, correction, instruction. If we don't have training and correction and instruction, how will we ever learn? But we buck discipline because we feel, oh, don't discipline me. And what we're missing out on is fathering. It's a big deal. We are called to be mothers and fathers to our community. And there's a way that the Lord would have us love them. And it's through nurturing and it's through discipline. How do I know? It's the way he mothers and fathers us. Let's look here at our text in Hebrews 12. This is what it says. It says, my child, don't underestimate the value of the discipline and training of the Lord God or get depressed when he has to correct you. See, nobody likes it. (laughs) He knows. For the Lord's training of your life is the evidence of his faithful love. And when he draws you to himself, do you know what that is? That's embrace. That's mothering. When he draws you to himself, it proves you are his delightful child. Fully embrace God's correction as part of your training, for he is doing what any loving father does for his children, for whoever has heard of a child who never had to be corrected. It's nurture and it's discipline that sets us on the right course. And we hear this word discipline and we just don't like it, but the truth is we need correction. We need training. We need we, we need the, the, the discipline of the Father to be released into our world. It matters. Now, the truth is, like, when only one of these is present, when only nurture or only discipline is present, we actually have a lot of dysfunction. So if we only mother, if we only nurture, and we don't discipline, what do we get? Chaos. Right? It's chaos. If we only discipline and we never nurture, what do we get? Rebellion. Ain't nobody got time for that, right? Here's the thing. People don't ever rebel against rules. They rebel against lack of relationship. So some of you, you have teenagers right now, they're like, they're so rebellious. What am I going to do? Don't father harder. Lean into mothering. They need some nurture. They need some relationship. They need some motherly love. And again, it's not woman or man, it's, it's the, the aspect of God that you're releasing through mothering and through fathering. We need both present to create families of the future, to create healthy kingdom families. What do you think our communities would look like if both of these things were present? 
what would we see? We'd see some healthy people running around, wouldn't we? Right? Really healthy people. We'd begin to see daughters and sons being raised up to be everything that God wanted them to be. You know that there's not one person who wakes up and they're like, man, I really hope I fail at life. I hope I grow up and blow up my life. Hope I become addicted. Hope I, you know, lose my marriage. I hope everything goes to pot for me. Nobody says that. Nobody wants that. How are we to help communities? We mother and father. We are to come alongside people and encourage them and nurture them when that's what they need. And we need to come along and offer some training and correction when that's what they need. Do you know that fathers are really good at producing healthy sons? Because what they're doing is saying, I want better for you than I had for myself. Fathers don't compete with sons. Fathers want their sons to succeed. And the essence, the essence of discipline is the heartbeat of discipline. I want you to be your very best self. I want you to have everything I, I never had for myself. I want you to stand on my shoulders and start here, that my ceiling will be your floor so that you can take off. Fathers want to see their sons soar. They want to see them blossom. Fathers come around sons to help dreams become a reality. Our job as fathers is to help other people's dreams succeed. The greatest joy a father has is watching their children succeed, right? There's so much joy in that. Watching them love Jesus, watching them be everything God created them to be, that's the joy that we have as fathers and mothers. And so there's so much joy in it for us, but we have to be willing to give some space and time to allow the, the, the kids to, to dream and to allow them to grow up and be everything that God has them to be. But the father's job is to create discipline. So there's this great story in scripture about a young man who was called to father a community. And I think a lot of times when we think about fathering, we're like, yeah, that's not gonna be me. Like, there's no way, man. Like, my life is a wreck. I could never father anyone. I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm whatever. We have every excuse in the book. Well, this man's story is found in the book of Genesis, and it is long, so we can't read it all. But you're going to go back this week, and you're going to read it, because it's really good. <laughs> We're going to talk today about the story of a man named Joseph. And Joseph could have every excuse in the book not to father a community, but he, he leans in, right? It's a supernatural role that you step into. And so Joseph was born into this really dysfunctional family. And, you know, sometimes we think, like, modern families are the only ones with, like, major issues. No, no. Joseph was born into a family with his dad, Jacob, and sister wives, his, his mom's. Like, literally, his mom was married to, or was, was also married to the same guy that his aunt was. So these women were sisters married to the same guy. You think that brought a little, like, dysfunction? Yeah, they had kids, right? The kids hated each other, like, my mom's better than your mom, blah, blah. You know, they're just, they, they fought all the time. Joseph was not raised in a home that, like, had, had, you know, oh, you'd think that's natural for them to, you know, of course he could father. Look how he was raised. No, his mom dies when his little brother's being born. Like, he, he had a lot of stuff going on. But the Lord had a call on his life. And, and the thing is, his brothers really hated him, right? Joseph would add a little fuel to the fire. He, he would come to his half-brothers and be like, hey, brothers, guess what? I had this dream. Let me tell you about it. Like, in this dream, so crazy. Like, I was the ruler, and you were all bowing down to me. Like, it's really fantastic. Yeah. Again, you wonder why they hate him, right? But it's not just like, wow, we hate our brother. It's like, no, we hate our brother. Like, hated him. And they decided they're going to get rid of him. 
We're going to pick up the story here in Genesis 37. But what happens is the brothers are out tending to some sheep on a couple towns away. And dad, Jacob, says, hey, Joseph, go check on your brothers. This is where the story picks up. It says, Joseph's brothers saw him coming, and they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, right? They're making fun of the dreams God put in his heart. Here comes the dreamer. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. This is the work of the enemy, man. Right? God gave Joseph big dreams, and these dreams were actually a prophetic picture of what would be. Do you know that the enemy wants to kill the dreams that are written on your heart? That's what he comes to do. He comes to kill the dreams. And he was using, in Joseph's case, his brothers to do it. He doesn't want to see you be everything God has called you to be. He doesn't want to see you fathering a community. He doesn't want to see those dreams become a reality because fathers come along and they empower the dreams, right? Satan wants to steal it. He wants to kill the dream. The brothers, um, one of them had a great idea. They're like, hey, let's not kill him because that would put blood on our hands. Let's sell him. They saw some Ishmaelite traders coming through, and they're like, that'll work. Like, we'll just sell our brother into slavery, and we'll tell dad he died. Again, like, dysfunction, crazy. This family's messed up. So they decide to do this. They sell Joseph, their 17-year-old brother, into slavery. The traders end up taking him into Egypt, and the ruler of Egypt is Pharaoh, right? He's the king of Egypt. They sell Joseph to Potiphar, who's one of the king's highest officials, right? So it's a big deal. He ends up as a slave boy in Potiphar's house. And um, what we see in the scripture is that things end up going well for Joseph because the Lord is with him. If you ever feel like you're struggling, just say, Lord, be with me. Make sure you know that he's always with you. It was a really important part for him. Everything he did succeeded. Um, so much so that, that Potiphar, his boss, ends up putting him in charge. He makes him his personal assistant. He said, you're going to have full administrative responsibility over all of my affairs. Like, the slave boy came in and became the, Potiphar's like, right-hand man, right? And he started ruling really, really well. What was happening in this moment is Joseph was starting to father and he was fathering by creating discipline and structure in the house that created order. How do we know we're fathering well in our communities? Our communities will be thriving. If they're not thriving, we need to father, okay? So Joseph comes into the situation and he sees it needs some, some discipline, some order, and the father uses his leadership to create order in the house, and it starts thriving. Now. Keep in mind, Joseph is not like the guy you'd pick, right? He's a 17-year-old single guy with no kids of his own. There's nothing in the natural that says, you're called, you're a father. But it's a spiritual appointment, and he stepped into it and said, yes. Now, how pleased do you think the enemy was with Joseph starting to live out his dreams? Yeah, not at all. Okay, not happy, right? Um, let's see, in verse 6, it talks about Joseph being well-built and handsome, it's just like a side note. He's a good-looking dude, right? You wonder, again, why his brothers hate him. He had all the favor, his dad loved him, and he's fine. So that's a problem. But the problem was everybody knew Joseph was fine, right? Including his boss, Potiphar's wife. So the wife decides, I'm going to get me some Joseph. i got to have a little Joseph in my life. It's kind of like that. You read it. But... Um, she basically like, tries to get him to sleep with her multiple, multiple times. And because Joseph is disciplined, 
man of character. He says, I'm not going to dishonor God. I'm not going to dishonor my boss, your husband. Like, we're not going to do that. Like, lady, chill. She gets so mad at the rejection that she decides, I'm just going to lie. She goes to her husband, Potiphar. She's like, oh, that slave boy you brought in here, he tried to be with me, right? And like, you need to do something about it. Oh. What does he do? He throws Joseph in jail. Like, my little justice flags start flying here because it makes me so mad. I'm like, he's done everything right. He did all the right things, and yet here he is in a jail cell. Like, ah, oh, it hurts my heart. How do you think he felt in this moment? God, you gave me big dreams. You said there's a big call in my life to lead, to father a community. Things aren't looking the way I thought they would. Sold into slavery, my brother, brothers betrayed me, this lady went crazy on me, and now I'm in jail. Supposed to be leading, supposed to be fathering, and here I am in a prison cell. That's what I would say to God. He didn't say that. He actually, it doesn't even show him complain one time. Again, the Lord is with him. So he's in jail. What happens when he's in jail? The Lord is with him. And he continues to father. He ends up having favor with the keeper of the prison guards, and he ends up overseeing all the prisoners. Here's what you got to know. Fathers are going to father wherever they are. Leaders are going to lead. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It doesn't matter where you think you are. If you are called a father, it's not something you can just like take off. It's like, oh, I'll take off this backpack today. How many parents have said, like, if only I could have one day off? Like, it just doesn't work that way, right? Fathers are going to father. And here was Joseph fathering the community that he was in. He had a relationship with these prisoners. They respected him. They were for him. They, they came in. They said, hey, we got, we got some things here, Joseph. We have some dreams. Can you interpret these dreams? And sure enough, um, he interprets them correctly. One of them dies. Sad. The other one um, gets released from prison. And he tells the one who gets released from prison, he's like, hey, when you get out of here, don't forget about me, right? Remember me. And two years go by. Two years, the prisoner gets released. Nobody says anything for two years until Pharaoh, the king, has a dream. He said, can anybody interpret this dream? And the guy who got released is like, oh boy. Yeah, well, there's this guy in prison. I kind of forgot to mention him. His name's Joseph. You need, to, you need to bring him out. So they shave him. They bring him out to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh tells him the dream. And he says, can you interpret this? Pharaoh says, I, or Joseph says, I can't interpret this, but God can right? And he goes on to tell him the dream. He interprets it. He said, here's what's going to happen. You're going to have seven years of plenty. The land will be lush. You'll have plenty of food, plenty of uh, you know, animals, everything we need. But then after that, you're going to have seven years of famine. And what he does is he goes on to tell him that you need to appoint someone who's going to be able to create structures and discipline in the community that will be able to help us save for what's to come. What is he doing? He's fathering He's fathering. And Pharaoh says, like, uh, okay, that's going to be you because, like, nobody else can do this, right? And in this moment, he is appointed second in a command only under Pharaoh to, to lead the land, right, of Egypt. This is, a, this is a big promotion, jail cell to second in command. Big deal, right? He went from a 17-year-old prisoner to a 30-year-old, that's a journey, 30-year-old father of a community. And the amazing thing to me is, is that um, during the famine, the brothers come back. There's a lot of banter back and forth with the brothers. You should go read it. Um, but, but what happens is he extends incredible forgiveness to his brothers. And this is what he says in, in verse 8 of chapter 45. He says, it's not you who sent me here. 
right? So he's like, you're absolved of any, any guilt, brothers. I'm doing okay, right? He said, God has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over the land of Egypt. God sent a 17-year-old boy to be trained up and disciplined enough to lead and father the king of Egypt. That's a big deal, right? It didn't matter where he came from. It didn't matter that his family was dysfunctional. It didn't matter all the things. What the father was doing is saying, there's a spiritual assignment on your life to change the community. And I'm here to tell you, as believers in God, there's a spiritual assignment on your life to change your communities. We are called to step into this role of fathering because we need fathers. We can't just sit by and, and only mother. Mothering matters. We have to pair it with fathering. We need to be able to create discipline and structure and systems that are going to help us thrive. Do you know the father doesn't want us to just, like, feed the one? He wants us to, like, eradicate hunger altogether, right? So we got to start dreaming a lot bigger. It's not just, what can I do for the one? It's he wants to do it for the whole community. And it's in there. We can do it. The, the father didn't send Joseph or, or use him just to feed his natural family. He sent him to feed an entire land. We need to start thinking bigger, church. There's so much more that God wants to release through his kids. But I think, I think the question when we get in this place is like, how are we gonna do this? How are we gonna father our cities back to life? Where do we start? And I would just ask you, who is right in front of you? What's the community God's placed you in? Who's right in front of you? I think a lot of times fathering can feel, you know, hard. It's a journey. It requires sacrifice, all of this. But there's this side of fathering that feels pretty natural once you're doing it, right? For us, for my husband, Ben, and I, we, we have been called to father young adults, mainly because we can't get them to leave. They just keep showing up. I'm kidding. We love them. Young adults, right? So what does it mean to father them? We nurture and we discipline. It means that we give them full access to our lives, they know our Wi-Fi code, you know, uh, password. They know our garage code. They know where the beer fridge is. Like, they know everything. They can just have full access to us as parents. And it means we give them a lot of time and a lot of nurture, and it means that we, we give them a lot of discipline. We come around, we say, hey, how's that budget doing? Hey, you have questions about cars, insurance, friend drama. Like, how can we help you? We want to give them access to us so that we can help them fulfill all the dreams they have in their hearts. That's fathering. And I want you to think, like, who is it in my life that God's calling me to father? It's a lot of fun, let me say. Like, fathering is hard, for sure, but boy, it's a lot of fun. There's so much joy in it. So who is right in front of you? And once you know that, I want you to start dreaming big dreams. Like, the dreams were so important in this whole thread with Joseph and his life. I want you to start dreaming really, really big. I want you to take a look, too, at your past and see where the enemy has tried to steal from you because the areas he's trying to steal from you is actually where the Father wants to release victory through you, okay? There's so much power in redeeming what the enemy has stolen. And I wanna share with you the story of a woman here in our church named Charlotte. Um, Charlotte and her husband, Mike, are amazing. They're such a gift to this house. Um, they drive over an hour to be a part of our church family every week. And they have been called to father a community. And it's not because she had the best upbringing and it looked like this was the call in my life. What happened was she was raised in a lot of dysfunction. Right? She had a dad who was, like, went into huge outbursts, would take her stuff and throw it out on the front lawn, like angry, abusive, terrible. And it was just her and her mom. And at one point, a, a relative comes in and says, I'm going to rescue you. So with just the clothes on their back, at 10 years old, she gets taken out of her home with her mom to go and start new in another community. It takes her a while, right? She's got to catch up on school. She's so far behind. But 
she, like the Lord was with her even though she didn't realize it, right? And she starts succeeding. She graduates high school. She goes on to college. She becomes a teacher. She gets married. She has a son, and she meets Jesus. Her life is beautiful. It's a beautiful picture of everything she ever wanted it to be. But the father said, Charlotte, there's more. And where the enemy has tried to steal from you in the past, I'm going to use you to release victory, right? So 19 years ago, Charlotte goes to prison as a volunteer, not an inmate. So that's good. (laughs) Yeah. After two years of telling Holy Spirit, I don't think I'm ready, I don't think I'm prepared, I don't think I can do this, she goes. She lives near a large women's correctional facility, and for the last 19 years, she's been fathering these women back to life. What is she doing? She's saying, there's a greater hope for you. There's more than you've ever experienced. She's able to release life in the prisons. You know what, just this week, she reported 14 women gave their lives to Jesus. Just this week. That's amazing. But she's been disciplined in her yes. You think 19 years of fathering these women is easy? No, it requires sacrifice. It's not easy, but oh, it is so worth it. Where are the big dreams that that God has placed in your heart? What are they? He wants to give you big dreams and big vision to be able to do big things. Charlotte never really saw this being part of her life, right? But the father knew more. He wanted to release victory through through her. So who, who is around you? Look around. Who are you called to father? Who's right in front of you? And then start dreaming some really big dreams. And then here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask the Father for heavenly solutions to earthly problems. This isn't like we're brilliant, we're going to solve it. It's like he knows everything. And he knows what we need to release into our communities to solve problems. Um, I was talking just last week with my amazing intern, Valencia Moses. Um, You've seen her, you know her. She's she's great. She has so much joy. 30-something single. And not only does she intern, she has a real job. She's a professor at Parkland. And um, what, what happened was, like, again, I think sometimes we think, oh, if we're going to change the community, it's going to take all this effort. It, it doesn't always mean start a new program. I just want to be clear. It's not like always, like, let's go out and, and start something new. Sometimes it's empowering what's already there, right? And so Valencia uh, was meeting with her supervisor, and she knew that they, she was under a lot of stress. There was all this um, tension. There was this big problem that needed to be solved. And in that meeting, Holy Spirit drops a heavenly solution into Valencia's heart and gave her a way to communicate it in a way that her boss, in essence, would receive it, right? And what happens is that heavenly solution actually became a brand new policy for the department, and it solved a ton of issues. Why? Not because she started a new program, because she had a heavenly solution in a moment. So tune your ears to him. He wants to give you heavenly solutions to earthly problems. He has everything that we need. God wants to do really big things through his kids, right? Here's the deal, we have to remember that we don't father as orphans. And some of you are in a place you're like, it's not me, man. My life's too messed up. I never had a good example of who to follow. No one's even spiritually fathering me right now. Your heavenly father knows you, loves you, calls you by name, sees the identity that he's placed in you, sees the destiny that he's called you to walk out, and he wants to equip you to do what's right in front of you. Some of you are in a place where you're complaining about your circumstance. You're like, I'm supposed to be reigning, and here I am in jail. Suck it up, buttercup, in love. Suck it up. Maybe this is part of your training. If you can't receive the discipline, how are you going to discipline somebody else? Okay? 
So Holy Spirit wants to be disciplining us. Again, we love that word. I can tell you're so excited about it. Remember, training, instruction. How are we going to begin to walk out all that God has for us if we don't give ourselves room to change? It might mean we need to lay some things down. We might need to change our mind. I say that all the time. Holy Spirit, show me what I do not see. I want to do this better. And as we do that, as we live in submission to our Father, we can begin to father. We can begin to step out. We can begin to ask God for big dreams that can become a reality. We can begin to say, what are the dreams on your heart that I can come under and push you up? Remember, fathers want to help your dreams succeed. That's fathering. There's so much joy in that. And he's going to give us heavenly solutions to do it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we love you. God, thank you so much for being just the perfect father. Thank you for showing us what it means. And I believe even right now, you're dropping ideas into our hearts. That there are these um, problems, just like Joseph saw a problem of famine, and you gave him a solution to solve it. That's what you're doing in our land. And so, Father, we just say, um, speak to us. Open our ears, open our minds, that we can receive everything that you want to give to us right now as we come to worship you. Father, we know you're a good father. We declare it. And where there's just even been pain with this issue of discipline or fathering at all, God, would you heal it? You can do it in a moment. And we just say right now, Father, heal. Heal our hearts. We love you so much, and we pray all these things in your awesome name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the message today. To experience more powerful messages, go to vineyardlive.us or join our Vineyard Life Plus community to view conferences, trainings, and special teachings.